bosses are fighting back in Colombia. Colombian workers are learning vital lessons about the power of mass action to achieve their ends. The months of April to July this year were marked in Colombia by mass protests on the part of people who have simply had enough of being poor and subjected to violent repression when they live in a country so rich in natural resources. The protests were sparked by a government announcement of huge tax increases, falling disproportionately on people barely able to survive on the income they receive. This announcement infuriated the masses of working people who had already been taken to the streets in protest against poverty before the pandemic, but most of whom are now suffering from even lower living standards as a result of the COVID lockdowns that have caused economic output in the region to fall by some 7%, while unemployment has skyrocketed. Some 2.8 million people have now fallen into extreme poverty, earning less than $38 a month, so that the proposed tax reform was the last straw. It drove the angry Colombian masses to the streets in their millions, determined to keep on loudly protesting until these outrageous proposals were withdrawn. As the New York Times explained, the tax proposal was a catalyst that brought long-standing frustrations to a boil. Colombia is among the most unequal countries in the world. A report from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development in 2018 said that it would take 11 generations for a poor Colombian to approach the mean income in his or her society, the highest number of 30 countries examined. Forbes further elaborated, the country's wealthiest 10% earns annual income worth 40% of GDP. Luis Carlos Sarmiento, the country's wealthiest businessman, is worth over $8.8 billion. On the other hand, the poorest 20% earns less than 4% of total income. Around 80% of the land in Colombia is controlled by just 1% of the population. Meanwhile, 42.5% of Colombia's population lives below the poverty line. As a result, once the fuse was lit, quote, on Wednesday, May 5, 2021, after seven days of marches and clashes that turned parts of Colombian cities into battlefields, demonstrators breached protective barriers around the nation's Congress, attacking the building before being repelled by the police. Demonstrators now include teachers, doctors, students, members of major unions, longtime activists, and Colombians who have never before taken to the streets. Truckers are blocking major highways, and on Tuesday, May 4th, Demonstrators in the capital burned buses and lit over a dozen police stations on fire, singing the national anthem, yelling assassins, and sending officers running for their lives. Unquote. Colombia's president, the right-wing Ivan Duque, had tried to pass off his proposed tax reforms as a measure to lift people out of poverty. 
quote, President Ivan Duque claimed it would raise 23.4 billion pesos and help reduce Colombia's fiscal deficit, lifting 2.8 billion people out of poverty and enabling the creation of a fund to tackle the effects of climate change. But this was not a progressive tax reform. It would have expanded the scope of VAT, taxed people until then considered to be earning too little to pay, and abolished many exemptions for middle-class households already hard hit by the COVID-19 crisis." Unquote. President Duque's excuses, therefore, did not pass muster. It is clear that most of the extra revenue was related to Colombia's debts to imperialism it makes economic sense that Colombia would want to minimize its indebtedness as it is quite likely that the interest rates will soon start soaring in an effort to control inflation as a result of the worldwide spree of quantitative easing. However, the major beneficiaries of the borrowing are the very rich and it is they who need to be asked to fork out to reduce indebtedness not the poor or the just about managing. But a government of the elite is never inclined to go to the elite for money, and a puppet of imperialism will always tend to be reluctant to default for fear of being ousted in favor of a government that is more respectful of the imperialist financier's diktat. The government response to the protests started with its usual resort to brutality, violence, and murders. As early as May 12, Colombia's highly reputed Institute of Studies for Development and Peace recorded 39 police killings, 1,055 people arbitrarily detained, and 16 cases of sexual violence. This brutality, however, merely had the effect of enraging the masses still further, so that not only did the protests continue and grow, but in addition they took on new demands. This is not just about tax reform, said Myra Lemus, 28, a school teacher. This is about corruption, inequality, and poverty, and all of us young people are tired of it. Colombia's elite, in order to maintain their privileged status in the face of the anger of the masses and the armed rebellion on the part of FARC and ELN, two guerrilla movements representing the interests of the downtrodden, rushed to sign up to the role of U.S. puppet, opening the country to the unbounded depredations of imperialism in return for protection from their own people. As a result, Colombia has for decades been the largest recipient of U.S. military aid and one of the largest buyers of U.S. military equipment in the West. The bill for all of this is paid, of course, by the Colombian working class and peasantry, who are forced to pay for the abundance of instruments and know-how of, of repression that Colombia's armed forces and, and police deployed, and still deploy, with gay abandon against anybody with the slightest bit progressive 
i.e. trade unionist, community leader, guerrilla fighter, etc., who puts his, his or her head over the parapet. This condemned the country to years of violence as the government, on behalf of the elite, sought to wrest control from the FARC and ELN of the vast territories they had liberated. However, only five years ago, with a view to putting an end to the perpetual bloodshed, the FARC signed a peace agreement with the then government, which allowed for its personnel to be reintegrated into mainstream Colombian politics and armed forces in exchange for the liberated territories being returned to the government control. It didn't take long, however, for the Colombian elite and their U.S. protectors to row back all the promises they had made in the peace accords. Le Monde Diplomatique reported, quote, Last year alone, a total of 91 massacres claimed 384 lives. In March 2021, the UN verification mission in Colombia reported that 262 former FARC combatants signatories to the peace deal had been killed after signing the 2016 Accords, despite the fact that one of the deal's key government commitments is the duty to provide security protection to former combatants, unquote. And it is not only FARC combatants who are being murdered. According to the Ornoco Tribune, state-sponsored terrorism against social leaders and activists has a long history in Colombia. Some social organizations estimate that every four days, a social activist is killed in the country. The website of pacifista.tv features 384 murdered social leaders. Among them are board chairpersons of community organizations, peasant guard members, indigenous leaders, students, and others. The list is described as an extensive, tragic logbook of what it means to lose the men and women who try to maintain peace in their regions or who defend community rights. Since the end of the 1990s, military plans have been strengthened and applied extensively via Plan Colombia, Plan Patriota, and the National Plan for, of Territorial Consolidation, all with U.S. support and financing, which have resulted in an overwhelming militarization of society and the state. While current military manuals promote military extermination of civilian enemy populations and the promotion of covert operations as well, as the creation of paramilitary structures. Duque forced to retreat. As it became obvious even to those most reluctant to see it, that the brutality meted out by the Colombian state to the protesters was only galvanizing more and more people into more and more determined action, Duque was forced to retreat and withdraw his iniquitous tax proposals. On July 20th, a revised tax reform bill was put before Congress 
that not only significantly reduced the amount that the government was hoping to raise from 23.4 pesos to 15.2, but also redirected these levies to some extent against big businesses rather than the masses by increasing corporation tax from 31% to 35%, which it is estimated will raise 6.7. Further, sums are expected to be raised by cracking down on tax evasion. There are also undertakings to reform the police and to provide a 25% minimum wage subsidy for young workers. The government has also promised that the poorest 50% of students, who account for 97% of those at public universities and technical schools, will get free education from the second half of the year. Whether such promises would be kept once the protests have subsided is in some doubt, since nobody knows where the government would get the finance to support them. Suffice it to say, seeing its client state's distress, the imperials have leaped in to make matters worse. International credit rating agencies have now announced that Colombia's credit rating has been reduced to junk status, meaning that any money the country borrows from now on will be at astronomic rates of interest, payable to the blood-sucking imperialist financiers. There can be no future for the masses of the Colombian people without overthrowing the craven elite who prosper by selling out the interests of the masses to imperialism. We have no doubt that the protests will turn into rebellion and rebellion into revolution as the working class and peasantry of Colombia come to realize that this is the only way forward. <laughs>